uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. My fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander Larry speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side as always in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, we're going to be discussing our favorite superheroes, be that uh, comic book, movie, television manga um you name it we're gonna we're gonna cover parts of uh various um types of heroes that were in various types of media but before we get into that we uh, are recording this um with um social distancing so i'm in the remote command module karen as always is in the satellite and bob's at the headquarters for planet eight and uh we encourage you all to um, be mindful of social distancing and together we can all do our part to help this virus and, uh, and affect the curb in a good way. It's so intergalactic now. Said, what's that, Bob? I said it's intergalactic now. It, it, it was worldwide. It now it's intergalactic. Well. I still think it's a, a trick by planet 10, but I, I won't, I won't, you know, I won't go on about that. Well, in the end, we'll our, our next episode is end, all sure. going to be on conspiracy theories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, straight away, let's kick it up to the satellite. Karen, we're talking about favorite superheroes. What do you have for us, pal? Oh, boy. Well, you know, I'm I'm a big superhero geek, actually, probably more a Marvel geek than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. Grew up on a steady diet of Marvel comics when I was a kid and still am carrying around boxes of comic books, much like uh, 
Morley was carrying around chains in Christmas Carol. So, um, yeah, I got a lot of lot of comics. I got a lot of issues. Um, I got a lot of comics. Um, so, you know, I've I've been a big fan of superheroes all my life, and and I like the the mainstream characters, you know, like Spidey and Cap and everything. But I think I always really liked the kind of the outsider characters a lot more. And uh, mm. when I was reading in my heyday, which probably would have been the sort of the mid seventies to early eighties, um, there was, Marvel was doing a lot of strange stuff because basically they were kind of letting the writers and artists do almost whatever they wanted. So <laughs> there was a lot of creativity, <laughs> but there was also a lot of just plain weird stuff going on. Um, but uh I would say two of my favorite characters when I was a kid that I still really enjoy today um, were uh, one I think everybody's pretty familiar with now because of the Marvel movies is the Vision from the Avengers. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, the android character um, was created in the Avengers uh, issue 57 by Roy Thomas and John Buscema. Um, so originally similar to the movie, the origin was kind of similar with, um, the robot Ultron behind his creation. Um, although, uh, actually, uh, Hank Pym, Ant-Man was beyond, behind the creation of Ultron. So he was that kind of connection rather than Tony Stark being connected to, to the vision. But I digress anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, the vision was a really interesting character back then because he was kind of that cool guy who um, was sort of like Mr. Spock in a way, right? Because he he could do a lot of things, but he didn't really quite fit in with everybody and, um, you know, just kind of this logical guy, but also had emotions that he hid and everything. So um, really enjoyed the vision as a kid just because of that. And then um, another character that I really enjoyed and have written a lot about, uh, like for Back Issue magazine and and uh, other places, is um, Adam Warlock. And so Adam Warlock hasn't shown up in the cinematic universe yet. He was hinted at in the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Um, but he's uh, he was originally called Him and was created by uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in Fantastic Four. And was supposed to be sort of this, these mad scientists created this like perfect being and he kind of turned on them. And then he kind of moved around in the Marvel Universe a little bit. He was in Thor and fought Thor. And then he um, got kind of redesigned by Roy Thomas and Gil Kane and renamed Adam Warlock. And Thomas really sort of did this... uh, he was kind of influenced by Jesus Christ Superstar, and so he kind of did this parable. He put he put Warlock on uh, Counter Earth, so there was this Earth opposite our Earth on the other side of the Sun um, that had been created by the High Evolutionary. This is getting real deep into Marvel mythology. <laughs> Um, anyway, so for a while there, Warlock was doing this sort of Jesus thing, where he was sort of the savior to these people, and then he left there and. Uh, wound up in Hulk and kind of went through the whole being crucified and all this crazy stuff. And then eventually he got in the hands of uh, Jim Starlin, and that's where most people know him from. So Jim Starlin is the guy who's also responsible for creating Thanos. Mm. And and so there was this whole storyline with Warlock and Thanos and and Warlock uh, sort of going crazy. And uh, that's where most people know Warlock from. And so Thanos kind of tricked 
uh, warlock into committing suicide in the future. It was really just some real crazy cosmic mind boggling stuff when you're reading it when you're like 12 or 13 years old it was sort of like <laughs> way beyond you know Ooh. anything when you're used to like you know captain america punching guys out and spider-man swinging off rooftops this whole like cosmic suicide thing is just like what's going on um but you know it was beautifully drawn and and just really like amazing stuff so i still really like those two characters they they've done a lot more with them but like i pretty much cut off all my comic reading about 2010 so yeah. <laughs> I, i'm not like keeping up with it um and they've gone through a lot of changes and stuff but uh i i don't know i really like those characters they're just like super offbeat you know well adam That's warlock cool. he had a big uh a huge role in Infinity Wars, right? In the comic. Yeah. So both the Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War and all the Infinity, etc. Yeah, he was he was involved in that. And he and Thanos both kind of went through a lot of different incarnations. Uh, in, and then, like, in some cases, actually wound up being, like, friends. Hmm. Very interesting That's dynamic true. between those two. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think about the vision coming up in... Uh, on Disney Plus on WandaVision. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see like what the real deal is with that series. I still haven't quite figured it out yet. I mean, you know, it looks like they're doing variations on sitcoms, but it also seems like maybe her reality altering abilities are in play. Mm. Um, So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I know some people have said that they're going to take some of the material from the, Vision and Scarlet Witch miniseries, the first miniseries where they had kids. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see uh, what it's all about. But I'm looking forward to it. I like I like the uh, cinematic universe Vision. I thought it was a really well done character. Yeah, me too. No, I always like the Vision. Like I said, when I was, you know, in, in my peak of reading comics. And I was reading the Avengers. I mean, the Avengers was like Scarlet Witch and the Vision and Wonder Man and, you know, mm-hmm. Hawkeye. And it, it definitely was not Thor and Captain America and Iron Man and that. Oh, Cap was pretty much in it still. But um, yeah. yeah, Hercules, I think, was in there and the Black Panther. So, yeah, it was a, a big exposure to the to the Vision as I was reading all of those. Yeah, he was a mainstay for year. I mean, he was up in the corner box, so he was kind of the main guy for many That's years. That's a good point. That's right. Once so you get the corner box. Yeah, I was going to say, let's kick it over to the headquarters. Bob, what do you have to share with us? Well, I'm surrounded in the headquarters, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the one I'm choosing, <laughs> which people have probably already guessed, has been on TV and has been in movies and has been in manga and has been in quite a few things and that would be of course Ultraman and uh, just you know a hero that I grew up with and uh, you know like when I was a kid the big thing was like George Reeves Superman and Green Hornet and Adam West as Batman so all of a sudden in the San Francisco Bay Area anyway starting in about 67 um, Ultraman came around and it was just so different and, uh, you know, loving the, uh, the Japanese movies and all that, it was like, wow, this was like a Godzilla movie on every day, a little mini mm-hmm. Godzilla movie. But, uh, yeah, I was 
just amazed me all the way from just like the opening with the swirling paint, which I used to call the Super Bowl opening, um, where it would swirl and it would, you know, change into his name. And then suddenly the screen bursts and it goes into the theme song and all that. Um, just I, I always thought it was great. But, um, you know, I definitely grew up with it. And, uh, you know, you guys are talking about multiple heroes. Well, yeah, you know, I have Ultraman, Ultra 7, Ace, Taro, Leo, 80, you know, on and on. Zeus, Neos, um, you know, Nexus, Max, Mebius, Ginga. And, you know, just go on and on and on. Cosmos, Gaia, Dinah. So, yeah, <laughs> It actually. Hey Bob, I have a question because I've I've only ever seen the Ultraman series. Are, are those suits that they're wearing, or is that their? Um, it's not a costume. That's just who they are. Uh, it's supposed to be who they are. They're like aliens, uh, like cyborgs type things. You know, okay. every once in a while you can find a Japanese book that has like these little cutaways of their innards and all that. But um, uh. yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that's not. That's why it's not like the Sentai shows or Power Rangers or Kamen Rider where you'll see them take their helmets off. You know, mm-hmm. they, they always have them on, which is kind of nice. Nice change from like Marvel, where everybody just <laughs> <laughs> rips their masks off at any time. Uh, mm-hmm. No, Ultraman's always <laughs> Ultraman. But uh, it actually started Ag Subaraya, who uh, did the special effects for the original Godzilla and all most of the Godzilla and sci-fi Toho films of the fifties right. and up to like the mid sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh, he broke off and decided to start his own company to make special effects for TV. And what he, what they did was they decided to develop their own TV series, which was called ultra Q. Now there was no Ultraman or superhero in ultra Q. It was sort of like the Japanese version of, Outer Limits of the Twilight Zone, but with giant mm. monsters. So how, how, how can you beat that? <laughs> so it was black and white, and it lasted for you know, all these, you know, they go like a year, and then they change them up. But uh, they when Ultra Q was like really big, so they decided, okay, let's, uh, let's do another series. And they decided to do Ultraman and do it in color. And uh, the, the weird thing about it is the very first episode was sort of like an introduction to Ultraman, and it was in black and white. And then the following week, Ultraman came on in color. But if the first episode was in color, it would have been the first TV series ever to be broadcast in Japan in color. But it was beat by uh-huh. one week by Magma Taishi, which we know as Space Giants. So Space Giants oh, was yes. actually, oh yes. Space Giants was actually the first color TV series to air in Japan, and it beat Ultraman by a week. But uh, as I was going to say, as I was rattling off all these Ultra names, uh, Ultraman is actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most series movie spinoffs from an original series or original character. So, uh, you know, more than James Bond, more than Godzilla, more than just about anything else. So, so Ultraman started on TV, but Ultraman has gone into like comic books and other media now. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they did comic books based on the series and all the series since then. And uh, in fact, later this year, Marvel Comics, going back to Marvel, 
is doing a six issue Ultraman comic for the United States. So Ultraman say what (laughs) Ultraman is coming over here in a big way because you've got uh, you've got Mill Creek, which has bought all of the Ultraman series and movies and all that. And uh, they are releasing those all on Blu-ray. So uh, you want to keep an eye out for that. As of this recording, they've released uh, Ultra Q, Ultraman, Ultra 7, Return of Ultraman. And I think they've done uh, Ultraman G and Ultraman Orb. Because what they're doing is they're kind of, they're starting at both ends, new ones and old ones, and working their way mm-hmm. towards the middle. So if you're uh, sitting there waiting for, you know, like Ultraman X or one of the newer ones, you don't have to wait until they get through all the other series to get to it. It's like, you know, they're they're trying to please the newer fans and the older fans as well. So, uh, and they look amazing on Blu-ray. Really, really cool. Uh, my partner, Keith Aiken, uh, who does Sci-Fi Japan with me, he's doing all the liner notes and checking over all the uh, subtitles and all the extras and things that, uh, that are come with it, coming with it. And then he's also... Uh, basically collaborating with them and Subarai in what kind of extras they can get. And uh, he's telling them, oh, well, you know, there's a dub of this over here or there's a, you know, you can find that over there. Uh, In fact, when the the original Ultraman came out on Blu-ray, it's only Japanese with subtitles. And everybody's Mm -hmm. like, what? Come on, that's the classic dub. But basically no one knew where the dub was. Hmm. So... Brad Warner, a friend of ours who used to work at Subaraya, he basically had to call them up and say, you know, I found those dubs and I put them in this room on this shelf and they went and they found them. So <laughs> there will be a re-release later in the year with the English dub and uh, they're going to they're gonna do it up big. So if you do have to double dip on the series, there's going to be extra extras and there's going to be, you know, English and Japanese and... Possibly 4K. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But it's funny because when uh, when uh, Panasonic in Japan uh, released the original series on uh, just DVD over there, and they went back to the masters and they totally remastered everything uh, from the original negatives and all that, and uh, the, the people who made it saw it and said, it was never meant to look like this. <laughs> it was meant to be seen on a little TV in someone's kitchen, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when they make it really bright and sharp and then, you know, wires start to show and things start to. So, mm-hmm. um, but like I say the Mill Creek, it looks really good. I don't know if they went in and did any digitizing, erasing wires or whatever, but but it looks good. And uh you know, Ultraman just been, yeah, I've been collecting and watching and just obsessing over Ultraman for years. So that's why I chose him. In fact, if it wasn't for the whole shelter in place thing, I would already have begun the Ultraman tattoo on my leg. But that's going to have to wait until we can come off Planet 8 and I can head back to Earth to uh, get that done. I cannot tell you how happy I am to hear that you're not self-tattooing while in exile. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I had a pocket knife and some ink. <laughs> and a big pen. 
That's right. <laughs> I, had a, I had a sharpie, tap, tap. a sharpie, and a knitting needle. Say, Bob, did you ever watch the Ultraman series? I I, I don't know if it was. I just talked about it. Of course I did. (laughs) It was in the 80s, and it came out around the time that the Power Rangers came out. Well, that was 90s, early 90s. On his chest. Yeah, that was the uh, Australian Ultraman Towards the Future. And uh, Australian. Yeah, it was a co production between Subaru Productions and a production company in Australia. And the production Mm. company in Australia said, Yeah, we can do this, and we can do that, and we can do it all just great. And so Subaru said, okay, do it. And they gave him a budget and they used most of the budget in figuring out how to do it. <laughs> so when it came to the actual show, well, you know, most of the budget was spent. But, you know, the funny thing is it was only like 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the San Francisco Bay Area, Channel 44 showed it every day, two episodes back to back at 5 a.m., so think about oh, that. Yeah. How many? That's 10 episodes per week. So basically in a week and a half, you've gone through the whole series and they repeated it over and over and over and oh, over and God. over for like a year. Oh and my God. Uh, I think, you know, the reason that had, <clears> that was uh, an amazing selling thing with this marketing uh, plan. But basically the company that distributed it gave it to TV stations for free. Here it is. Oh, it's free. You don't have to pay a cent. And the company would insert their own commercials in it, which is that's where they made their money. And then they'd leave segments open for the TV stations to sell commercials and make their money. So basically it was like free products. So they just ran it into the ground. And I don't know if they did that in other parts of the country, but uh, yeah, in San Francisco Bay Area, definitely up at 5 a.m., pop it on. There's Ultraman towards the future they followed up with uh, Ultraman the ultimate hero which never saw the light of day here but that was a co-production between Subaraya and uh, a company in Burbank California and uh, King Wilder who did like Puppet Master 2 and things he was the director and he really had no clue what the heck he was doing with Ultraman but um you know, August Rioni and I went down and we were working on uh, Henshin Online at the time. And we went down to uh, go on the set and we saw, you know, the, the battle between Ultraman and Dada. And we also saw <laughs> Ultraman taking off in flight, which was great because it was like the actor would like jump onto a springboard and it would boom, knock him up into the air. And he, you know, basically fly for about. 20, 30 feet and land on a big airbag. <laughs> so the first time they did it, he was like flailing and twisting and everything else. And then the second time they got him on there, then he was able to like hold a flying pose. He looked he looked like Ralph from Greatest American Hero on his first try. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so... And then you know, he wound we, up looking like George Reeves. Yeah. So we uh, interviewed King Walder and uh, yeah, he was like... You know, I don't know why Ultraman punches the monsters. It doesn't have any effect. And you know, I don't know why he yells because his mouth doesn't move. So it was like, you know, his big power in the series, we were always joking, was the ultra push because he would just like push the monsters away and then he'd shoot a ray at him or something. But it was it was pretty bad. And um, 
In fact, I don't even think Mill Creek has that series. I think Subaru I just buried it somewhere. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, um, you know, there have been spinoff movies and things that have come out. And uh, like I say, Mill Creek has it all. Or if you're, if you don't want to go out and buy stuff, uh, Pluto TV now has this uh, Toku Shoutsu channel that um, it's basically Shout Factory. And for the time being, they have the the uh, rights to Ultraman Leo. So if you turn it on, you can watch Ultraman Leo, you can watch Kamen Rider, and you can watch just about any of the Sentai slash Power Rangers series in their original Japanese with subtitles 24 hours a day on this Toku Shoutsu uh, channel. So... Ultraman is everywhere. Cool. Check him out. And uh, toys, toys will be coming out. In fact, uh, I'll have a sensor sweep later about one that, that's out now. Say what? That's called a tease. <laughs> oh, and, and listeners, you should know by now, almost 50 episodes in the can, our chief engineer is a tease. <laughs> And, and I mean that in the best sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's a great segue into yours truly's uh, favorite hero. And uh, that would be the Man of Steel. Um, didn't really read the uh, Superman comic books too much growing up. It was the uh, Super Friends on uh, Saturday mornings. Uh, we had a podcast uh, a while ago where we talked about cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons. Sadly, uh, one of those um, things that no longer really exist for today's youth. But um, I really enjoyed that series. Um, then, you know, obviously Christopher Reeve in the uh, cinematic version of Superman. And, uh, of course, the, the television series Superman. We were talking earlier about uh, the gentleman jumping uh, in the Ultraman costume trying to fly. Uh, George Reeves. Uh, he would really just jump and I, I suppose he'd landed on an airbag. Do you guys know if well his his big was trademark was crashing through walls and crashing through yeah you like know cave walls and everything and else brick brick walls yeah yeah so um, anyway that is Superman it was just all over the place when I was growing up but I, I will say that movie with Christopher Reeves really really. Uh, the, the tagline was, you will believe a man can fly. And uh, at the time, <laughs> you know, it was very impressive. I think the film still holds up. It's still uh, impressive. In many ways today. The flying still, I I don't know. I still like it. I mean, it, it has more of a fantasy quality than the hyper-realistic CGI we have today. There you go. Um, in the second movie, I had a lot of fun with. The third movie, eh. You know, it's like the third season of Star Trek. There's pieces of it that you like. Um, what about the fourth? Oh, nuclear there was man. a nuclear man. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. yeah. There, there's pieces of it. Where Superman like, took but. all the nuclear weapons on the Earth and like flung them into the sun. Yeah, the effects were so terrible because you could tell the budget was like almost non-existent. Yeah, but yeah. one one Which thing, one thing I will today, I think it would look decent. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and one th one thing I will say though is uh, the one scene in Superman Two where Superman, yeah, you know, he gave up his powers to be with Lois Lane, and then he has to go get him back, and then he 
he shows up when he first shows up and he like flies in, flies up in front of the window of the Daily Planet and tells General Zod, you care to step outside? That's like, I think, the best scene in any superhero movie ever made. Just my opinion. This is coming coming from a Marvel guy, too. Yeah. Yeah, that that really stands out for me, even to this day, as one of my favorite scenes in, in a movie. I mean, I saw it recently, and it still gives me tingles. Have you guys seen the uh, Richard Donner cut of the film? Well, I saw it yeah. once a while back. You're talking about the first movie, right? Or the uh, no, the second, second movie. movie. So okay. they because there was the another cut of the, of the second second first one too. Back to back. I'm sorry. What was that, Bob? There was another cut of the original movie as well. I oh, were they what they added additional scenes yeah, yeah, and stuff? Yeah. Kind of like yeah, they did yeah. with Star Trek motion picture when it came to TV and they added a couple scenes to it or something. Right. You know, and I found out that when when some films go to TV, and this is useless knowledge, TV or airlines, they'll add deleted scenes to just pad right. out the time. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's different versions of the first film. But this uh, Richard Donner cut, I guess he had filmed about, and Walker, you might know as well, 80% of the movie and then there was some kind of a argument and they they told him to go pound salt and mm-hmm. they hired uh richard lester i think was the yeah director and of he Beatles came in and, and um richard lester sure, but he, he he basically he directed help and hard day's night i think so yes wow that's cool yeah six degrees of separation so um ringo and anyway. superman uh, yeah, they tried to, um, you know, kind of take the 20 uh, or 25 percent of footage he never got a chance to film and, and kind of make a version of Richard Donner's vision of, of the Superman 2 movie, which is interesting because there's a lot of scenes like uh, one of the things that I recall is Lois figuring out that um, Clark is Superman by drawing a uh hat and glasses on a picture of Superman on the newspaper (laughs) and to test her theory she's telling Clark I know your secret you know whatever that uh, conversation was and she jumps out of a window in the Daily Planet and plummets to her certain death and Clark not wanting to reveal he's Superman runs down the stairs at supersonic speed runs outside assesses the situation and puffs out a super breath of wind to kind of cushion Lois's fall and she ends up landing in a fruit cart. And anyway, um, <laughs> it, it was supposed to be a very comedic uh, moment in the film for what it's worth. Um, I, I like it overall. I think it was a, a good uh, movie. I wish, you know, Richard Donner went on to do uh, lethal weapon and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, if, if you get a chance to watch those movies, I think they still hold up today, even with all the Marvel, um, you, you know, Captain America and Iron Man and, and Thor, and which are great films as well. Um, I have a question for you guys, though. So and, and Karen, you'd mentioned, you know, reading comics uh, at a young age when you would watch these cartoons or like the Hulk TV show. I think the Hulk TV show went farthest away from the Hulk in the comic books than 
than I would have expected. How, how did you guys feel when, you know, you'd, you'd read about Spider-Man or Superman or Batman and then, you know, you watch Batman on TV and he's, you know, talking to the Riddler, Frank Gorshin, and did, did it like interest you or did it like be like, oh, what the hell are you guys doing? Well, you know, before the the stuff we have nowadays, I mean, when we were kids, I, I, the the phrase that always comes to mind is, it's all we had, you know, like we didn't have the <laughs> yeah. fancy effects and stuff. So you just accepted, you know, the kind of, oh, Hulk's wearing slippers, you know, don't look at that. Don't don't notice it. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it was all we had. So you just kind of took whatever you could get and you would be like, yeah, OK, you know, maybe it's not great. But, you know, at least, you know, it's oh, it's the Hulk, you know, or whatever. Right. And I, that was just kind of the the way. But some stuff was just really crap. Like the <laughs> some of the. I mean, like the Captain America movie where they sewed oh, the ears Brown. on the. Oh, yeah, yeah, some of that stuff was just bad. Yeah, I think we, we went through quite a bit of that in the uh, TV movie episode. We went through all the Marvel iterations, but um, yeah, I've I always wondered like Ron Ely could like run through the jungle barefoot as Tarzan, but. Lou Frigno could not not like walk walk down the street without the little <laughs> booties on. But. Hey, Lou had a union job, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'll tell I mean, you know because like when I back then when I grew up, I would just kind of you know read comics here and there. So I wasn't like a big comics fan before watching some mm. of these. Um, I did buy Spider Man quite a bit. In fact, if it weren't for Ultraman, that's who I would be talking about this episode. But, um, yeah, they had the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man with the mirror eyes and the white little utility belt and the web shooter on his (laughs) arm and all that. In fact, Stan Lee, at at the same time Toei was doing a Spider-Man series over in Japan. And I'll save all this for the Spider-Man episode, but... Um, <laughs> Stanley actually Stanley yes let's do Spider-Man see tease tease, tease it tease yep, it that's Bob so uh, no Stanley actually liked the Toei Spider-Man with the giant robot and the GP7 car and everything more than the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man and he said that on <laughs> numerous occasions <sighs> I'll tell yeah. you I I would with with the Hulk, my family, we'd sit down and watch it every week. I mean, I, I love that show. Uh, Bill Bixby, I thought, played a really good version of Bruce Banner. Basically, David. it was like the fugitive for us. You know, every week he would have to go yeah. to like a different town. And the thing that bugged me, though, is that the Hulk wouldn't talk. Mm-hmm. You know, he would mime stuff, his face. He had great facial expressions. But then, you know, he'd end up growling and, and running away. So I was like, well... All right. See, my my uh, thing me, about my thing about the Hulk though was he was always mm-hmm. just like throwing people into cardboard boxes and things, and or you know, cardboard he, rocks at people. Yeah, yeah. he was un- underpowered. So he yeah. would never fight anything that was like. I mean, he fought a bear once, right? There's one right, episode right. he fought a bear, and then there's one episode where they had this old Hulk, this other guy who was gamma oh, radiated, yeah. and he fought that, was that really guy. Weird. Other than that, yeah, it was all just like regular people. And I mean, think just think about it in the comics. If all Hulk fought was regular people, it was like it'd be like a two-page comic. 
Yeah. yeah. It was a come down for sure. I mean, he wasn't throwing tanks around and stuff. Well, you know, I would, you know, like I said, with Superman, I saw him in the cartoon and then I'd read like a Superman book and I'd be like, wow, he's so serious in the comic books. And yet, you know, so flamboyant in, in the cartoons. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was later in life that I appreciated the comic book version of Superman. Well, just look, at the, look at the differences between Adam West as Batman and Batman in the comics. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, my that, God. That's yeah, huge. So. Yeah. But I but, love uh, Adam West as Batman. So, uh, you know, what can I say? <laughs> I mean, you have to, like, look at these things as just being completely different versions. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just totally, you know, you have to accept them on their own grounds, you know? Well, like I said, um, I saw the TV shows before I read any comics, so it was almost mm -hmm. like the TV shows were like my introduction to the comics. And then you start reading the comics and like, oh, this is much deeper and some are more serious and whatever. But, um, but yeah, growing up, yeah, I loved all those things. You know, except, for maybe, except for maybe the red brown Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Karen? Well, I was just going to say that I think, uh, you know, people come to these superhero characters in a lot of ways. You know, some people through the comics, but more and more it's through other media. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people like Batman, they came to it through the old TV series or like, Larry, you came to Superman through the Super Friends. But now a lot of kids are coming to superheroes either through the movies or through video games. You know, True. comics are the comics themselves are really not getting a lot of attention anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I, I mean, I will what, say what about too, like one of like, the things that I. Oh, sorry, Bob. Go ahead. I was saying, what about like characters that weren't in comics like. The aforementioned greatest American hero. Um, that was strictly a TV show, and that was it. I don't think they even adapted him to comics or anything. He was just Ralph on TV, and that was it. But yeah, I gotta say, you know, point. I've I've, no, no. I've watched episodes recently, and man, I gotta say that thing it actually holds up. And I think a lot of it has to do with Robert Culp, who just like eats mm. up the scenery in every scene he's in. But uh, but William Cat, you know, he was really good. Uh, I met him once with my daughter at um, WonderCon. Nicest guy you'd ever want to talk to. And then met him years later with Lieutenant Debbie at Monster Palooza. And uh, again, just same thing. Just really nice. He'll take all the time in the world to talk to you about whatever. In fact, when my daughter and I were there, you know, we talked to him at WonderCon for a good like half hour. And at the end of it, I thought, well, I better buy a photo or something. And uh, he, goes, he goes, hey, you got a camera? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, let's take a picture. You know, so I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. But yeah, no, so there you go. Just my little plug in there for Ralph. Cool. Uh, well, one of the things I was going to say is, is the music for the, uh, well, first with the Superman TV show, um, you know, it was very much a sign of the times you know with the trumpet and the it was like a march you know john the williams. superman march and i love how john williams kind of almost paid an homage to that superman march in the films and they got a lot of mileage out of that superman theme mm -hmm. um, it's funny because you know i'll, I'll play random uh, science fiction superhero you know soundtracks uh, on the radio and 
my wife's like, is that Star Wars? I'm like, oh, no, that's Superman. Can't you tell the difference? <laughs> and yet when I listen exactly. to the two, I'm you have like, to learn yeah. these things. Like, okay, I can. Um, but, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Justice League uh, series. Um, I'm sure we talked about it in the Saturday morning, but I did like that version of Superman um, also, as well as the music. I, I thought the theme opening that um, series was was great. Well, I know, oh, yeah. I know none of us really had that great an impression of the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover thing that happened this season. I didn't even finish it. Well, I, I, you, I you missed, it, you missed the big ending, though, where the yeah. Flash basically has a warehouse with a big table that they could all sit at, and each chair had their symbols on it. And uh, you hear this, like, sound, like something scurrying around, and it basically pans to a cage that's open with a banana peel outside of it and it turns out like the monkey from the super friends was like had escaped from that cage so this basically led up to a big super friends ending there huh that is cool um i i got up to the point where the flash from the movies met up with with the flash from the tv show that was actually pretty good that was pretty good. And I, I will say that the Flash, the TV show Flash that's on right now, the CW, that is a good show. Um, it, it's pretty true to the character that we all know and love, who is the Flash. And they, you know, kind of go off in some different directions with it. But, um, God, Bob, now I'm trying to think of the name of the monkey from the Super Friends because it was. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say Marvin it because I can't the, remember it. Yeah, um, was it like Gleep or something? Oh, I don't God know. bless you. Yeah. I, I think, think I think they even like had his name on the cage, but I don't remember what it was. Because it was the Wonder Twins. It was oh, not a form of peanut butter and, you know, shape of bread. Peanut butter and bread sandwich. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Yeah, um, but no, no. Grant Gustin, who plays The Flash, I mean, he's really good, too. He was at uh, yeah. Silicon Valley Comic Con. And, yep. uh, you know, somebody asked him. Years if, ago. Some, some kid, like, asked him if he would, like, take a lap around the room or something. <laughs> and he was, and he came up with this whole story about he's not supposed to because of insurance reasons and the people at the condo <laughs> want him to and blah 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 you know but he wouldn't just sit there and say well you know it's oh, you know gleek gleek okay gleek thank you Walker yeah so he won't just say like you know that's just a TV show I mean he actually like talks to the kids and makes up stories or whatever that why he, <laughs> would have been why like he can't be the flash went around the whole block. <laughs> <laughs> in one second I'm a little tired today <laughs> well look we're, we're coming up towards the end of the episode but let me ask you guys you know we're in quarantine right now and and we're we're doing our best to, to fight this uh, COVID thing um, what films I know there's been several films that have been pushed back to later this year and or next year but um, for me I was looking forward to Wonder Woman and that's coming out in the fall now and I'm I'm glad that they're going to keep it on the big screen. And the director said as much. This this movie was made to be seen in a theater on the big screen um, with an audience. Um, so so I'm looking forward to seeing that later on this year. Karen, you have anything that, that you're just like, darn, it got pushed, you know. We're talking superhero. Yeah, superhero. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for me, it's Black Widow because I, I really – it's so funny. I didn't really – care for the character that much in the comics one way or the other but in the movies right. I really grew to appreciate the character a lot so 
I'm looking forward to seeing that and seeing this, you know, piece of backstory. And uh, also they've got the guy from uh, Stranger Things as the Red Guardian. So that looks interesting. (laughs) And Taskmaster, bringing Taskmaster to the screen. So that'll be fun. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that when whenever we get to see it. And I hope it's in a theater. (laughs) Guys, this is we're talking about Black Widow. Uh, Spoiler alert. We all know she passed away in the. Uh, last Avengers movie. Do you think she has a three-picture deal? And, and if so, would it be wise to resurrect her and bring her into current Marvel Cinematic Times or just do a three-picture deal in the past or just leave it at this one picture and, and be done with it? I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure her contract is up after this movie, so I think it's a yeah. one and done. I don't think she's going to... And what, what if it makes a gazillion dollars? Well, I also read recently that Robert Downey Jr. would be willing to come back as Iron Man if he got a gazillion dollars and if he could work with Tom Holland. Those were his two conditions. But so, you know, anything's possible. But yeah, Scarlett Johansson, she's big enough in movies that she probably wouldn't have a big problem if she wasn't Black Widow. Mm. I I heard that uh, Downey's price might be going down after Dr. Doolittle bombed. So, <laughs> Well, I think the bomb of Dr. Doolittle is what made him actually say, well, you know, I could come back as Tony Stark. Supposedly he's playing My- Tony. He's supposedly playing Tony Stark in the Black Widow. Yeah. But yeah. that happened before. It's already filmed. Because the, the movie takes place in between Civil War and... Infinity War, right? I think it takes place like right uh, after Civil War, so that's yeah. that's how she's still alive. I'm, oh okay, yeah. I had read somewhere that um, the uh, the Iron Man uh, character is going to show up in a What If animated, and uh, Robert Downey was doing the voice for Iron Man slash Tony Stark. Well, I also heard that uh, there's a possibility. I guess that they might make a a Disney Plus series with a new Iron Man and that he could be the AI that talks to that new Iron Man. But I don't know. That's a lot of a lot of rumors flying around. Yeah, there's also the rumor that he could be the AI that talks to Spider-Man in his suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and still mentor Peter Parker, but as an AI instead of an actual person. Well, we we have a lot to look forward to. I think everybody's just running with the Downey rumor and, well, he could do this or he could do that or maybe he could do this. Well, I'll tell you one thing. He won't be doing Dr. Doolittle (laughs) 2. So between Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Eddie Murphy, who do you think made the uh, better Dr. Doolittle? Yeah, he did Dr. Doolittle. Didn't see either of them. Or uh, uh, yeah, who was the first one? Rex. <laughs> I've only seen the original. I saw Rex Harrison. Yeah, it was Rex Harrison, right? Is the original Doctor Doolittle? Rex Harrison. That's I right. also yeah. it was a double feature with Pippi Longstock. <laughs> well, weren't you lucky? Yeah, hey, I, ju- I just saw it as a single feature in the theaters, but <laughs> I just thought you the sure big I just thought the big snail was cool. It, it was a Thrillville matinee. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I hope it wasn't the rated X version, but anyway. <laughs> as far as far as, <laughs> as far as my, what I was looking forward to, they got pushed off. Um, I guess I would have to say, yeah, both Wonder Woman and, and Black Widow. Two borderline superheroes, I guess you could call it, would be uh, 
would be Godzilla getting pushed off. But that was pushed off before the whole coronavirus thing came around. Uh, it was pushed from March down to uh, November. And uh, Why? Well, supposedly they uh, wanted more time to do the effects and reshoot oh, some okay. scenes and things like that. Yeah. And uh, well, I guess they had to check. That looks I guess, so bad this time. I thought I love Skull Island. I thought no, that I was meant, great. Uh, the like the original King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, I Kong love that too. Like a burn oh. victim. <laughs> I love that too, so I can't say anything about that. But um, yeah, no, I mean, Keith and I will again will go down on the press junket for that and do the whole coverage thing. But um, the other one that they've got that got pushed back again, a borderline superhero would be the Bond movie, um, No Time to Die. That was pushed off as well. So well, we have a lot of things lot to look of movies. forward to in the fall. A lot of movies are getting yeah. pushed off. So it's yeah, gonna, definitely. we're going to have to think of other subjects for the uh, podcast. We can't rely on movies coming out this summer. Oh, God, we have so many things that we <laughs> put on the back burner that we're going to bring forward. Let's see. Why don't um, we talk about next time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll have some guests and um, we'll have some great topics. And look, um, if you guys want to head on over to either Facebook or Twitter or the web page, uh, let us know some subjects you'd like us to cover and we'll consider it and try to put something together. Um, hopefully this virus doesn't keep us uh, under quarantine um, for too long. But uh, if it does, um, we'll, we'll go ahead and continue to do these episodes uh, remotely. As always, my friends, it is a pleasure talking with you guys and um playing catch up you know uh, uh it's that time in the podcast though where we get to have our sensor sweep and uh the man the tease himself bob the chief engineer has this week's sensor sweep take it yes. away sir yes well <laughs> i came up with sensor sweep <laughs> anyway i came up with this morning or the sensor sweep this morning as uh since i was in an ultraman mood i was going to talk about him in this uh, episode and mark nagata longtime friend even helped us out with the original godzilla fest in san francisco back in 2004 uh he started his own company called max toy and he's been doing basically original vinyl figures in the style of uh, japanese sofubi and uh, basically, he was able to get a license from Subaraya to do the first officially licensed Ultraman figure in the United States. Now, what he does with these, much like Mondo, is you'll want to follow him on Instagram, you want to follow him on Facebook, and he announces this figure is going to go on sale tomorrow at a random time. And they're limited, so you have to get on the computer at that random time and uh, order one or miss out. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he, he basically sent me a little background. He says the figure was obviously uh, licensed through Subaraya Productions in Japan, uh, presented as the Kaiju, Kaiju Sako series, which means Kaiju Warehouse. Uh, this is the original Ultraman, cast in flesh-colored Sofubi with red and silver paint. Uh, and he has done various variations, which is why he keeps uh, having these random sales and things. Uh, this is this is historic, and that is the first time a licensed Ultraman figure has been for sale in the U.S. ever. The figure was sculpted by the artist Pico Pico, and stands approximately 4.5 inches tall, 
and comes bagged with a header card, Art by Mark Nagata, fully cast and painted in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, they're really cool figures. Um, he did an amazing one, if anyone ever saw the uh, second Balton episode of Ultraman, where he transports from this one planet back to Earth, and uh, he does a transporting Ultraman figure, which is basically cast in clear vinyl, and the paint goes from totally opaque on the head down to fading out to the clear plastic at the bottom. So it actually, as he's standing there, it looks like he's he's transporting, basically. He's in the midst of a transport. But uh, that was one of the rare variation paint jobs or whatever. Definitely go to Max Toy Co. That's MaxToyCo.com. And uh, that's his website. And I'm sure he has links there to uh, Facebook and Instagram. So you can get on there to uh, get his announcements whenever new figures are coming out. And he's got a, quite a few really cool figures that have nothing to do with Ultraman, just, you know, basically cool figures in general. So definitely check out Max Toyko, Mark Nagata, and uh, have a blast collecting tons of vinyl. That's great. Thanks, Bob. We'll be sure to put that information on our page as well. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8, signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. Resident.